Hey, everyone. It's Matt Dixon. I'm the Chief Research and Innovation Officer at Tether. And Tad McKenna, SVP of Research and Innovation at Tether. Matt, I keep telling you we don't have to keep introducing oh, ourselves because everyone's time. listening next to time, every Ted. episode. <laughs> We're yes. going to skip it next time. We're going to okay. say it's, it's your old friends, Matt yeah. and Ted. Okay. You, you all know who we are. <laughs> Long-time listeners. Long-time listeners, first-time callers. Okay. So today, we are uh, we are in episode seven of Customer Effort Through an AI Lens. Hopefully, you've enjoyed our first six episodes. Um, and what we're going to start doing now is unpacking the four pillars of a low-effort experience. Now, as we said in, early on, you know, the pillars... Um, the pillars haven't changed, right? The pillars are the pillars. We're going to talk about uh, channel stickiness. We're going to talk about next issue avoidance, experience engineering, and frontline control. Um, but what we're going to uh, focus on here is uh, is exploring these concepts using some of uh, the modern technology we've been talking about, natural language processing, machine learning, AI, uh, not just what we're doing at Tether, but also what uh, other uh, companies are doing in the space and share a little bit more of uh, what we're learning about what good looks like in each of these pillars. Um, the good way to think about this is sort of a, what a revised edition of a walkthrough of these pillars uh, might, I would say, look like, but really sound like since it's a podcast. Um, so uh, let's let's jump into it. Today, we're talking about the first, which is uh, channel, uh, channel stickiness. Now, I, what I thought I'd do is just recap a little bit of um, the insight from the book, kind of update it. Um, and then we're going to talk about um, what goes wrong in digital uh, and what we've learned in our research uh, at Tether and what we see other uh, AI and machine learning companies uh, exploring and learning. And then lastly, we're going to talk about what you should do about it. So uh, let me set things up here in terms of uh, what we what we talked about in the book. What we, what we talked about in the book was the fact that low-effort um, leaders, low-effort uh, exemplars have really embraced self-service, embraced digital. Digital is... I'm saying I'm going to say the most mundane thing I think you're going to hear in this entire podcast series, which is digital is the future. Everything is going to be digital. Oh, um, are we going to and... talk about digital transformation? <laughs> oh gosh, go transform, Ted. <laughs> so um, <laughs> the uh, no, we're not going to talk about digital transformation, but um, you got plenty of that. But let's talk about digital specifically um, in the service uh, channel, in the uh, you know in the customer experience. And back when we wrote the book, uh, there were a couple of uh, surprising insights. The fact that leading companies were embracing digital was not super surprising, but the way they went about it was very surprising. And, and there was some data here that really pointed to the fact that companies get digital wrong and they get it wrong in uh, dramatic fashion. Uh, in fact, one of the big kind of head slapper uh, findings from the book was that nearly 60% of inbound call volume was from customers who were first on a company's website or app or other digital channel uh, trying to self-serve on their problem, but they gave up, got confused, got all turned around and, and ended up having to pick up the phone and call. Not because they wanted to have a conversation with one of your terrific agents, but because you gave them no other choice so that it wasn't the first stop in the journey. It was the second stop. And sometimes that first stop takes a long time. Like com- Customers will spend good amounts of time on the app or the website trying to do everything they can to self-serve and avoid having to call. And so you can imagine when they do pick up the phone, they're quite frustrated. In fact, we also found in the in the data... Um, back when we did the original research, that about a third of customers were on the website at the same time that they're talking to your reps. And you know, if you've ever uh, gone back and listened to calls, either in QA or using a platform like Tether um, or other speech analytics platform, you've probably heard customers or seen customers say this in the in the transcript. You know, hey, I'm I'm on your website right now, and and I'll tell you what, I could not figure out how to do that, or I kept getting this error message, or that's not what it says online, or I know you're uh, when I was listening to that great hold music, that voice that came on said, hey, did you know you could get this done at www.acme.com? 
uh, press one to disconnect and go to the website, and do it yourself. You know, that's not very helpful because I was just on your website for an hour and I couldn't get anywhere. So that's why I'm calling you. You know, this stuff happens all the time. I'll, I'll tell you just to update some of that data. Um, what we found a few years ago uh, in the research when uh, when Ted and I were at CEB, um, we found that it, that number, uh, 60% of inbound call volume had jumped uh, to closer to 80%. So I was going to say probably 90 by now. Yeah, right? yeah. I, think, I think it is. I, we've not updated that data since we really should do that, but, but it had already jumped to that 60% numbers back from two, in 2009. And I think the last time we looked at it was like 2017 or 2018. Uh, and it was already in the 80s, uh, low 80s. Uh, that's the percentage of customers who first go to digital before they pick up the phone and call. And then Ted and I, you know, uh, uh, last year, um, in the right at the start of the pandemic, um, were we actually wrote a piece in HBR. If you haven't seen it, uh, definitely check it out. It was, it's called uh, Supporting Customer Service uh, Through the Coronavirus uh, Crisis. And one of the things we uh, observed in our data was that you know we all remember this that time you know in the early going spring of last year the whole world is turned upside down and one of the things that that companies were struggling with was they had furloughed or let go a uh, number of contact center employees so they had fewer agents they'd also shut down offshore locations um, in part because sometimes these agents in offshore locations didn't have the technology to go work from home and so they basically just had to shut down so you had and, and then if you add on top of that, you had uh, a higher customer demand, right? A higher volume because especially in financial services, utilities, insurance, places where people, because they're experiencing um, a financial hardship, were having to call and ask like, hey, can you not foreclose on my house? Hey, can you give me a grace period on paying my electric bill? Hey, I'm not going to be able to make the minimum payment on my credit card this yeah, month. So not just higher volume, but more anxious that's uh, right. at the same time. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think what happened in that environment, and at least what we saw in the data, and, and certainly heard from other companies out there, is you saw a lot of customers when they called up, you know, uh, they're working from home, they're between Zoom calls, you got the kids home, you know, home doing uh, digital learning or uh, virtual learning, you got the dog barking, you got... Uh, different stuff going on in the background, and you're you hear when you call up your bank that it's a two-hour wait to talk to a representative. Well, in that scenario, you're going to go to the website or the app, and you're going to try to do it yourself. If you if you didn't already go there, and if you did already go there, you're probably going to go back and try it again because um, you don't want to wait for two hours. And so, I think this was a period in which a lot of these um, a lot of these uh, digital preferences really got kind of grooved. And what ended up happening is you saw a lot of companies kind of getting outed uh, on social media by customers who went and had frustrating digital experiences. So we saw a real spike in that um, and a lot of customer frustration being shared uh, very publicly. The, the last thing I'll say is I, I have heard from a number of companies that the specific digital capability they saw a spike, demand spike for during the pandemic or during the past year has been asynchronous messaging. And, and you can all imagine why it's uh, in large part, I think that the fact that you could have a customer service chat with your cable company or your bank going at the same time that you're on a Zoom call uh, with your with your colleagues, <laughs> you know, nobody knows, and you could you can multitask. So um, there certainly um, uh, was an uptake in in demand for that. But uh, suffice it to say, this you know we know from you know from the earlier episodes, or if you read the book, channel switching is a big source of effort. We know that customers are going to digital, uh, and we know that uh, they are continuing to find uh, frustrating experiences. They are not easy experiences, forcing them to go then pick up the phone and call, um, and then share those bad experiences publicly. And this is only this is only uh, trending um, 
toward a higher percentage of our customers or higher percentage of experiences that kind of fall into that bucket uh, over time as more and more customers um, uh, shift towards digital. But Ted, I'll go I'll go over to you here because you know we did uh, some research uh, over the past few months at Tether where we looked at conversational data, which I think it surprises folks that you go to a recorded phone conversation to learn about digital. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about why. Um, but we we started to unpack a little bit of um, how painful these digital experiences are and specifically what goes wrong. Yeah. And what are the different flavors of pain that we're finding in the in the data? Yeah, well, so think about it when when somebody is, uh, you know, in a channel switch situation and now talking to an agent, by definition, there has been some sort of failure in that self-service experience. Right. And often that's a digital uh, experience. So they're on a website or they're on an app. And so when they're talking to the agent, they're telling that agent often about, hey, here's here's what's happened so far. Right? Here's what I've already tried to do. Here are the things I've done and where I've done them. And so that gives context for the agent. Uh, as to how they can go about helping them, right? Because they now have a better sense for what they've already tried. But it also gives the organization lots of rich context on what's been, what's broken, right? And what types of things they need to fix such that yeah. future customers don't experience these same experiential issues. And you potentially prevent that call from even happening the next time. That's a big reason why customers of Tether use Tether is to is to find those opportunities to potentially displace future calls and therefore save money, but also help help their customers. And I think it, it does you know illustrate this interesting aspect of channel switch because you know again for those people who are familiar with the original research, it is it is truly a, a sort of a both do and feel thing, right? Because mm-hmm. there's an exertion factor of I literally was on the website and now I'm having to do more things and it's taking me longer and 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 so forth. But there's also this perception issue and problem as well, too, because when this happens, I probably have to feel like I have to repeat myself. It gets very frustrating. I now you know, can't do the things I'm looking to do. And we're going to break down in a little bit more depth as to what happens when this occurs and what types of things you hear from customers. But um, that's part of what we're trying to do when we do research here at Tether is to parse apart these things that co-occur, mm-hmm. uh, but we're trying to isolate the independent contribution from each one of these variables. And so what we did with this study was look at how frequently these things happen and then pair that with how hurtful are they, or in some cases, potentially helpful um, as you look to mitigate those sources of, of effort. Yep. Hey, uh, you, Ted, let me let me jump in because I you just reminded me of um, a story uh, that I, I want to share because you, you said something earlier about you know, using this conversational data, not just to find out that there was a channel switch, but but specifically why. And mm-hmm. I, I think this is uh, fascinating. That, um, and you and I both uh, know this customer really well in the financial services space, specifically in the banking space. Um, they shared with us their experience using, uh, using Tether to understand uh, how their new mobile app uh, launch was going. And this was, this was pretty interesting. So if we think about, you know, how would you find out um, what the customer experience was with your mobile app? Well, what you'd probably do is send a survey out to those customers and you'd ask them all about, you know, how did you like it? Did you find it easy to navigate? Was it easy to authenticate? You know, did you get done what you're trying to get done? Like, how does this compare to other apps that you use? So on and so forth. Kind of the the, the usual suspect questions. What was so interesting is that this leader told us, um, uh, the head of uh, CX analytics uh, at the bank, she told us that, what they learned from Tether is that there were there was a huge spike in call volume where people were having trouble uh, logging in. They couldn't even get in to the bank's new mobile app. And 
when they uh, dug into it, they realized that, the, and I won't say the name of the bank just to uh, uh, respect their uh, their confidentiality, but they have a, a name that sounds similar to their name. The bank name of their bank is similar to other uh, banks <laughs> in terms of its name. And so what ended up happening was customers went to the app store uh, and they saw an app that they thought was the bank's app and they downloaded it, but it turns out it was a different bank's app. Um, so, you know, and the names are very proximate. And so one of the, and by the way, you would never survey, that would never be a part of your survey of like, did you actually download the right app? And the only way you would know that that was a big source of channel switching, a big cause of channel switching in this case, a big source of their mobile app failure uh, was by listening or analyzing the call data, because that's where you have those conversations, that rich context where the rep is saying, well, help me understand, what are you? What kind of message are you seeing here? Are you seeing like, can you click over here on the left-hand side? And the customer saying, there is no thing on the left-hand side. Well, hold on a second. Is the color of the screen this, or is it that? <laughs> well, Yo, and what does the logo say at the top? Well, it says this bank's name. Well, you downloaded the wrong app. That's why you can't authenticate, right? But it's a, it, you know, when we think about learning about this stuff. Like those are the kinds of unseen opportunities that you know traditional ways of collecting customer feedback you're never going to be able to to capture. Yeah, no, uh, totally. And I think as we start to unpack, you know, the way in which you can parse apart, in some ways, almost like the the extremity or maybe the spectrum of ex- of extremes, uh, you know, as to what it sounds like when customers that also helps you to, you know, again, sort of fix the what's most broken and arm your agents to handle those situations, yep. uh, you know, for future uh, future issues. And one other thing that always pops up in my mind is nowadays when you've got the, you know, the digital assistant that pops up on the website mm-hmm. that then often turns into a chat conversation. Again, if all we care about is perception in some respects from the customer's perspective, then is that perceived as a switch in channels for them too? Because now they're you know having to do this in two different ways. It's still on the website. It's still a yeah. digital experience, but it's kind of still a, a digital transfer. And that would show up in a chat transcript uh, for us inside Tether. For sure. Yep. Now, as we as we look at the, the study, what we did was kind of, again, look at those both, how, how helpful or hurtful was it from a from a tether effort index perspective. So that's measuring the perception of effort versus how often these things happen. What we found is that web issues often kind of co-occur with these channel switch situations. And as we lift up the hood and look at, you know, kind of what are those things that drive those failures from either a channel switch or a self-service or digital uh, situation, you know, a lot of them are very pedestrian in nature. You know, this maybe wasn't surprising, but uh, maybe confirming kind of what you might suspect is that the types of things that customers are often trying to do there are rather pedestrian. They are trying to uh, pay a bill. They're trying to uh, you know, look at different statements. They're they're trying to make cancellations or scheduling different things, things that you would expect to be able to do on the website, which maybe makes it even more frustrating, more frustrating. when that's you right. can't do <laughs> yeah, it, right? That's right. And so now you have to go in and talk to an agent and that's when you start to kind of look at literally the, the phrases and the utterances that occur in these conversations, you kind of find different flavors of these things once they start occurring. So they kind of range everything from like somewhat difficult where, you know, this customer is has already done something online. They've executed up a, you know, something they were trying to do, but they still have some things left undone. Like the example we gave in a webinar we ran was, I made a reservation online, so that's done. But now I have an additional question. And so that's regrettable because you would have hoped that any question you know, could have been answered in that process. But 
it's maybe hard to anticipate every possible question the customer might have in those situations. But again, you do in that situation, there's quite literally a channel switch. Customer has achieved portions of what you were hoping for, but not everything. Now, as you get into the more difficult things, that's when they just can't do what they're trying to do. So it's not letting me cancel online or it's not letting me do this. And that's annoying because I've tried five different times and, you know, for gosh sakes, like, why can't this, uh, can't this happen? But then the, I think the thing that feels even worse uh, to the customer is repeated things or chronic type issues. Like every yeah. single time I go to the website, this thing happens or it crashes or the app doesn't work or, you know, I never can find this thing. And, you know, when it's really kind of gold when the customer is giving you this type of feedback, right? Because this is not a survey where we've gone and asked them about a very specific thing. They're telling us unfettered, you know, feedback about hey, this. This is something that just repeatedly occurs, and we know through separate research that that notion of chronic effort is especially damaging in the eyes of, of customers. And so that's what we're trying to do when we're measuring this here and doing this research is trying to to isolate the the individual contribution of these factors, but then also understand when they co-occur with other things, is there an additive effect that ultimately has greater damage in the eyes of your customer? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And, um, you know, I was, I was thinking through my own experiences as a customer, um, you know, in some of those from, you know, yeah, minor irritants, like I'm, I'm calling up because it didn't get a confirmation screen after I hit purchase or, or reserve or whatever the the thing I was trying to do was. And so now I'm calling just to make sure that the order went through or that my reservation's confirmed. And yeah, that's kind of annoying. I wish I could have done it online all the way to those extremes. And it's like, why does every company on earth, why is every company on earth figured this out except for you guys, you know, and why is your website or your app so difficult to use? Um, so you can certainly, you know, we can all. Yeah, this shouldn't I, be this hard. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Now you, it, it's inter- what's interesting about um, this is that you know I think sometimes in customer experience management um, we tend to run towards the squeaky wheel, and so it's the customer who just absolutely loses it, or demands to be escalated, or puts something on social media, or writes a nasty letter to the CEO or the head of customer care, and certainly those are situations that. That we need to pay attention to, but I, there's always this issue, which is you know that one problem that that one customer had on the app or the website um, was it was it why is it actually widespread, right? And is it a thing that would should be a priority for our organization? And I think one of the things that's cool about this this data is when you can take let's say the entirety of of um, customer conversations, and then you can take out the subset where the customer is actually saying. They were on a digital channel first, and they're sharing some insight as to why. And then we can start to um, to look at those things, like okay, um, here are customers who are really, really upset about getting an error message when they tried to process a transaction, and they use a lot of foul language, and they demand to be escalated, and they threaten to to sue the company and all this stuff. But when we look at the frequency, it actually doesn't happen that often. It seems like it's a one off. In fact. The bigger issue is this one over here, which maybe people don't are not as vocal about, but it's happening all the time and it's leading to a lot of channel switching. And so it, it allows us to prioritize those things we should actually go out and, and fix yeah. or, or pay most attention to. Easy to get caught up in the firefighting. That's right. Know, just, yeah, that's right. There's there's another thing, you know, uh, before we, we move on that I think is worth noting in terms of kind of updating this for, for 2021. And this is going to sound like a rather obvious statement, but 
there are also just more digital businesses today than there were you know 10 sure. years ago yeah. which means that the product experience itself is digital and so so what's interesting about that in the service experiences you get customers who are who are chatting with agents or are talking to agents about what amounts to product failures but it presents as a service failure because for them they're trying to execute something and they're talking to that service agent and so it makes it maybe even that much harder to kind of parse apart is this a product thing? Is this a service thing? In the eyes of the customer, they might not care one way or another. Um, but in terms of fixing it, I think the business probably does care about it, right? Because now, yeah, how many different yeah. product things are you trying to fix at any given time and, and prioritize? I mean, think about product roadmaps and how many different priorities you have. It becomes that much harder to kind of stack rank those things. It's harder to firefight, you know, the uh, those those product issues. I guess is what I'm yeah. saying. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know the the thing. If you, readers of the book will remember that we shared a, a best practice from Fidelity, um, where and this is going to sound very old school, but um, but I think there are a lot of companies who try to get their arms around their digital failures in this way. They actually would run a campaign, um, maybe for one week a month, where they would ask their agents um, with every single customer who called in to ask them, "Did you? We we're doing some research on our on Fidelity.com." And how effective it is as a you know in terms of digital experience or digital platform for our customers. Um, Want to ask you before we get to solving your problem? Did you first? Can I ask you? Did you first try this online? And uh, if the answer is yes, then the follow-up uh, questions that in the reps have a whole kind of mini questionnaire they use. Can you help me understand what uh, what happened that that went wrong and what caused you to pick up the phone and call? And um, if the if the customer says no, then you know no, I didn't try. The, try this on fidelity.com, then you can offer to show them at the end of the call. Let me show you um, how to do this uh, on your own. But it's actually, uh, it's if you think about it, it's very manual, right? It's eating up time. Time, as we know, in a contact center is money, uh, quite literally. And if we think about the power of of taking that, those conversations as they is, exist right now, it kind of obviates the need for having to ask your reps to actually do that, that you know, um, uh, survey kind of, or uh, you know, verbal survey work with your yeah. customers because yeah. you can get the evidence for how often channel switching is happening, what's causing it, what's going wrong, and then how to fix it, which brings us, I think, to uh, to the final section of this episode where we want to talk about what to do about it. And Ted, you came up with a cool framework, which I, I'm thinking we can probably use here, even though we're talking about digital and, and one of the pillars is about the agent, um, but it was the ABCs of uh, effort reduction uh, using you know the tether effort index and how do you attack this from an agent standpoint? How do you think about attacking it from a business standpoint? These are the systemic effort drivers. And then how do you think about closing the loop with customers? What I might do, and we never do this, and we always say that that the C is actually one of the most powerful use cases. Let's start with closing the loop with customers. Then let's talk about those business opportunities to, to work with our business partners to fix those systemic effort drivers. Then let's talk about what our agents can do, specifically as it pertains to the digital experience. Um, so the first one, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about closing the loop. You know, Ted, you work with a bunch of companies that, like, if I if I think about this, I've got all this data, I've got you know machine learning, I can spot immediately who had a channel switch, how frustrating it was on that spectrum you described before, what the effort level was, and how much channel switching actually played a part in the overall effort of the experience, um, and specifically what happened that caused the customer to channel switch. Um, what can I then do with that in terms of closing the loop with those customers and, and learning more, or at least getting them to not share their terrible digital experience on social media? <laughs> yeah, well, there's yeah, there's two sides to that, right? One is is looking to 
put out that fire with that individual customer to when they're super upset, potentially avoid that you know bad word of mouth. Right. There's also an element of just learning more so you can fix that for future situations. And what's oh, it's one of the really cool things about this this type of technology is you're really able to, you know, whether you're learning about the digital experience itself and observing that using technology that allows you to observe like click throughs and, and things like that, or deriving it from a te- technology like Tether, where you're understanding it with very fine detail, you know, not just that it's happening, but the specific issues driving it, it does help to kind of fix those things. So the way that it shows up in and tether and how we can kind of power those those closed loop situations is imagine having you know a set of of scores like the tether effort index we've talked about before where it tells you hey this is uh, a bad experience so we know it's a below four which means this is already something that i should be aware of um we have a deeper sense that channel switch or web issues hit and contributed in a great fashion to that situation um, and along with that, you get a set of reasons associated with it. So maybe it was a payment issue specific with a product that the customer was trying to do. I can now set up automation in downstream uh, tools, whether it's you know a CRM system like a Salesforce.com or a CFM system where I'm using it from a, either a ticketing or a customer understanding perspective. And I then can proactively reach out using automated surveys to say, hey, you know, we strive to to offer superior experiences in an online situation, but I get very tailored with that request, right? I can very be very specific with my language about, hey, we recognize in this situation, you were trying to make a payment with this specific type of product. Would you mind providing a little bit more feedback here? Click here for a survey. And so you end up getting much higher response rates, customers feel you know, heard, but also then because you get those higher response rates, you get more and richer feedback on those very specific situations, which if you're running a digital team, just makes it that much easier to to fix that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can imagine as a customer, we get inundated with kind of generic surveys all the time, but how powerful it is. Uh, that's after- not true. I, oh, I, okay. So it's <laughs> r- rumor has it that people don't like surveys. So, um, you know, and, and we know survey response rates are on a secular decline for many reasons, but one of them is survey fatigue. I think it's hard to ignore that. And, um, and part of it's also candidly like, the survey is part of the the customer experience, and and uh, unfortunately, companies will deliver a great low effort experience, and then they force their customers through uh, really painful high effort surveys, um, as if they're something separate from the customer experience. When in fact, they're part and parcel of the experience. But nevertheless, I think you can imagine as a customer, uh, have you know, you call up, you're lamenting a terrible experience with a company's app or website, and then you know. A, a few minutes or even maybe even a few hours, but later that day you get a survey specifically targeted targeting you saying, Mr. McKenna, thank you for calling earlier. Based on our understanding, you had, like you said, you had difficulty making a payment or executing this on our app or our website. Um, we strive to deliver a world-class digital experience, but clearly we didn't in this situation. Can you give us a little bit more feedback about what what error message you saw, what went wrong, so we can get it to our digital team and we can learn from this? And while we're at it, is there anything else we can do to make this better for you? I mean, that is a, that's a survey that gets a very high response rate, right? It, and to your point, it just feels much more tailored and personalized and, and relevant, actually. Um, so, that's, so that's closing the loop with our customers. Um, now let's work our way back to the B. We'll get to the A in a moment. Um, and I think this one is, is pretty interesting. And I think this is where there's a lot of grist for the mill, which is um, spotting, those, spotting those opportunities, um, sizing them. 
and then working with our business partners to do something about them. But uh, Ted, can you talk a little bit about you know kind of what we see out there as far as best practices or what companies are doing or you know specific case examples maybe about yeah. um, using this data to then you know show up at your the head of digital or the head of you know uh, the person who oversees the website with the data you need to demonstrate or quantify that something is an issue and needs to be resolved. I think this speaks to what you were hitting on earlier, which is that if I'm a, if I'm running a, a website or I'm, I'm my job is to you know improve the digital experience for my customers, it's hard to size problems and to understand just how representative any given fix is. And so imagine situations when a customer is calling in about a login issue. Uh, the first thing they can do with something like Tether is to search to see just how widespread is that issue. Okay, it happened. How representative is this? Uh, and and should they find out, actually, there's uh, thousands of customers that are experiencing this same type of issue. Um, and when those things I can see using scores and other things that it's actually really damaging. So it's not just that it's happening, which lots of stuff happens, but it's happening and it's it's placing customers in a place where they feel like it is higher effort than they'd want. Um, and we know through separate research how damaging that can be from a loyalty perspective. And so if I'm going to prioritize any fixes, fix those things first yep. that customers perceive to be of high effort. Um, and uh, and now I can I know kind of where to place my bets, if you will, in terms of resources and time and so forth. Yeah. And you know, it's so I think one of the one of the knocks uh, historically on um contact center leaders in particular, especially if you were to survey the rest of the executive suite, has been that, um, you know, not not unlike when the head of sales shows up with feedback about the product team. And oftentimes it's like, well, this is based on one, you know, the the most vocal sales rep who had a bad experience trying to sell our new product to a customer. And now that that colors the entirety of the the market's perception of this product. And, and it's the same thing in customer service. You know, we have a customer who's very upset, that squeaky wheel, and we show up at the head of digital's office and we say, this is a big issue. We're getting slammed with calls about this. We need to fix this. And when pressed, you know, most heads of customer care don't have a lot to go on. They have a small number of, of um, surveys uh, they can point to. They have maybe some calls that have been listened to by the QA team. Maybe that maybe it's just anecdotal, right? I just I know I know this is an issue because three of my top reps said they got a call about it today. But you know the head of digital is saying, okay, I've got a team of developers here. They're working on some stuff. Do I take them off of that um, project they're working on, off the roadmap, and then go fix this problem? How big is it? How painful is it? Is it really an issue? Uh, is it more important than trying to work through the things we're working on right now? And so this lays bare uh, and answers all those questions, this, this kind of um, more holistic approach, taking that, that conversational data, much larger sample, much richer to be able to really size those opportunities so that when you do show up at the head of digital's office, You've got the throw weight of, yeah. of a lot of data behind. Yeah, change you. doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? It's right. not a, it's a zero sum game, right? If I if I start to fix this, I have to stop doing something else, and so it becomes really useful to be able to weigh those different things. Yeah, yeah. Now the last one, and we're not going to spend too much time here. Uh, the agent uh, side part, because we will be talking about the next couple of pillars. Uh, we'll be talking about more agent related stuff, but certainly the agent plays a role here. And and I mentioned one of them before. You know, in the old world, pre-conversational analytics, we would ask our reps to ask customers quite literally, um, "Did you try to solve this online? And if so, can you give us some feedback of what, what your experience was?" Um, but now, I think you know we can have machines do that. 
but it's still our, our reps still play a role. Um, you know, skills that we'll talk about later, things like advocacy, um, you know, customers are very frustrated with the digital experience. We know they've already had a high effort experience before the rep even says hello, they're feeling a lot of effort, makes it even more important that we engineer the experience. So again, pillar number three, we're going to be talking about that concept and about the power of some of those techniques. But there's there's other stuff that our reps can do as well, like offering uh, guidance or proactive, what we call proactive guidance to our customers. You know, those customers, for instance, who came in and didn't self-serve, but in, and actually we asked them, hey, did you know you can solve this online? I, you know, I don't want you to have to wait on hold and wait to talk to us. We're nice folks, but I'm sure you'd rather get on with your life. You know, our app and website make this really easy. Would you mind if I, you have a couple of seconds here, I'll just show you how to do that. So, you, you know, can save you a phone call next time. Um, or, you know, hey, I know you, you know you're calling because you got this error message. Here's a here's a tip. Next time, try entering the, you know, the order this way, not yeah. that way, and that won't happen. We're going to spend a lot of time again in in future episodes talking about you know positive agent behaviors yeah. uh, and how that plays into experience engineering. I think with with respect to the channel switch, I think is is a good demonstration of that notion from the original research where you know service interactions are four times more likely to drive disloyalty than loyalty because. Because agents can take a bad situation and make it worse, right? And I think that's especially true in situations when the customers already tried to do something and now they're talking to them. And if they then if that happens and the agent, you know, uses language that's either confused, they're confused about what's happening, or they use what we call powerless to help language, where it's like, I can't see it or I'm not allowed to see it. It's just extra irritating. So first lesson is don't make it worse by you, you know, by by acting confused about that situation. You know, there are definite lessons in terms of making it better, you know, to your point on guidance, but definitely don't make it worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, it's a perfect note uh, to wrap up uh, this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, but by the way, I, I should also mention, Ted, as a, before we go there, we been talking a lot about conversational analytics and, and certainly that's a rich data source, but it's somewhat obvious that when we're talking about digital, using digital behavior, <laughs> behavioral data is also a, a really powerful mechanism. There are a number of companies out there, uh, including Decibel, who actually look at um, uh, what customers are trying to do by what they click on, what they scroll scroll past, the scroll speed, You know how quickly they can get to things. You know, way beyond that pop-up survey you get when you're on a website saying, "Did you were you able to get done what you're trying to get done?" But actually, just look at you know how we move our mouse and what we click on and what we don't. Stuff that is you know really uh, sophisticated using again using machine learning, but not really the conversation, but the actual digital behavior. So you know when we think about customer effort through an AI lens, um, it is about much more than the conversation. And, and certainly through the rest of these uh, pillars, we'll be pointing out. Um, other opportunities, not just uh, with Tether, but with other technologies out there to bring more of an AI, uh, some bring some AI and machine learning muscle to your effort reduction journey. But with that, let me hit stop on this episode. Uh, thank everyone for joining us. Next time, we're going to be talking about the concept of next issue avoidance, which gets into the whole realm of repeat contacts, which is uh, certainly a big area of opportunity, uh, food for many winters there for almost every company. So join us next time. Ted, thanks for, thanks for joining me on this one. And yeah, uh, we'll see everyone next time.